Good morning. Today we will follow the order of service, which is printed out in your bulletin, as we talked about at our congregational meeting last week, uh, just to point out a couple of things about the service. Uh, it's all very much scriptural in that it's full of Bible passages. Uh, you might watch when we come to the Lord's Prayer, it is taken straight out of the Bible uh, rather than uh, out of the hymnals. So there's debtors is used in place of trespasses. Of course, the, the meaning is still the same. And also, the words of institution are from Matthew chapter 26 rather than from the composite version, which is in the hymnal, which is uh, pretty much based on 1 Corinthians 11. And so there's a couple of slight differences. Uh, with that, our opening hymn today will be hymn 330, I Come to Thee, O Blessed Lord.
invite you to please stand. O Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come into your presence this day to seek your mercy, to hear your word, and to offer up our prayers and praises. Hear us for the sake of the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his atoning sacrifice on the cross for our sins. In the first epistle of St. John, the Bible tells us if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us, therefore, confess our sins unto the Lord and look to him for mercy and forgiveness. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess to you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in our thoughts, desires, words, and deeds. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in St. John's first epistle, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For the sake of Jesus' holy life, and his atoning sacrifice on the cross, I announce unto you the grace and mercy of God, and in the stead, and in the name and stead of Jesus Christ our Savior, forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For a psalm today, we continue in Psalm 119. Uh, beginning at verse 49, and again the congregation reads those verses in full type. Remember your word to your servant, on which you have caused me to hope. The proud ones have derided me, yet I have not forsaken your law. Fury has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. I have remembered your name, O Lord, in the night and have kept your law. This is my blessing because I have kept your precepts. I ask you to turn to him 237, and we sing this in the place of, of the glory of Patre and the glory of Celsius.
For our catechism lesson today, we continue with the Office of the Keys, and we look at the question, should not a Christian also confess his sin to his neighbor whom he has offended and grieved and ask his pardon? And the answer, of course, is yes. For he who is not willing to do this thereby clearly shows that before God also he is not truly penitent of his sin. The Bible tells us in James 5, verse 16, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go on your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Our epistle lesson for today is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at the eighth verse. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which he would later receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the promised land as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received the ability to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, who was as good as dead, sprang so many a multitude as the stars of the sky, and innumerable as the sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Those who say such things declare plainly that they are looking for a homeland. And certainly, if they had been thinking of the country out of which they came, they might have had the opportunity to return. But they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of him God said, through Isaac shall your seed be named. He reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he indeed received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, and worshiped while leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, mentioned the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Here ends our reading of the epistle. I ask you to please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Today's appointed gospel lesson is recorded in Luke chapter 14, 
beginning at the first verse. On the Sabbath day, they watched him as he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees to eat bread. There before him was a man who had edema. Jesus said to the lawyers and Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they remained silent. So he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he said, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day. And they could not answer him regarding these things. When he marked how they chose the seats of honor, he told a parable to those who were invited, saying to them, when you are invited by any man to a wedding banquet, do not sit down in a seat of honor, lest a more honorable man than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give give this man the seat, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest seat. But when you're invited, go and sit, in the, sit down in the lowest seat, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have respect in the presence of those who sit at dinner with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. We continue by confessing our faith, and we do so today in the words of the Apostles' Creed, which is printed out in your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 586, A Pilgrim and a Stranger.
ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless the speaking and the hearing of your word this day, that we might learn from the faith of the patriarchs, learn that indeed they trusted in you and were counted righteous through faith in the coming Messiah, but that they also lived their faith and they sought to follow after you because they look for their eternal home. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may wonder why we sang a hymn in the death and burial section today, since uh, as far as I know, no one in our congregation has died. But when you look at the words of this hymn, Indeed, it is a hymn that we can sing every day because it speaks of us as being sojourners, pilgrims, strangers in this world, and looking forward to our heavenly home in the day that God calls us home to be with him in our eternal home in heaven. And certainly our text today relates to this because we look at, first of all, the faith of Abraham, and we know, of course, from reading in the scriptures that Abraham was counted just and righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the coming Messiah, the seed of the woman who would come from his own descendants through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. In Romans chapter four, it opens up the chapter by saying, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, has found. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for as righteousness. And so we see that God promised to Abraham as many descendants as the stars in the sky, and as we read in Genesis 15, Abraham believed the promise of God and God counted it to him for righteousness. But we ask today, well, what does such faith, what did it move Abraham to do? And we see in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse eight, that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which he would later receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. And we see this in Genesis chapter 12, that Abraham had been called by God when he was in Ur of the Chaldeans, and he went as far as Haran, and then after his father died, he came into the land of promise at the age of 75 years old. And it was because God had promised him, as we see in Genesis chapter 12, in the opening verses of that chapter, God had promised them before, promised him before these things. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless them who bless you and curse him who curses you. 
and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. And it says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and he came in to the land of promise. And if you think about this, you know, we often read about it, but what a step that was. Here he left his family, his extended family back in Ur of the Chaldees, and he and his father traveled as far as Haran, and then he leaves there, and he is going to a land promised to him that he had never seen, and he's leaving behind all that he ever had, and he's traveling there in order to receive and partake of God's promise, the promise that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed and that God would bless him there and multiply him there. And indeed, God did. We read on that by faith, he dwelt in the promised land as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so there, you know, he didn't have a house. He didn't have a city, but he lived in tents along with his son Isaac and grandson Jacob, lived there as strangers in a foreign land, sojourners with their flocks and herds, waiting for the day when God would fulfill his promises. I can't help but think of Jesus' words when he talks about not being overly concerned with, you know, how are we going to get enough food to eat? How are we going to have enough clothes to wear? And then he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And here God told Abraham to seek first him and his kingdom and to go to this strange land where he had never been before and trust that God would provide for him on the way and that God would bless him there, and that through him he would send the Messiah, the one who would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And what did Abram do? He believed God's promise, and he went. And so we see that Abraham had faith, but it wasn't just, yes, God, I believe, and then go about his daily activities. It was, yes, God, I believe. And as a result of his faith, he left behind his family and went to a foreign land that God might fulfill his promises to him. And even while he is living in this land, he's living there as a stranger along with Isaac and Jacob, waiting for the day when God would fulfill his promise. It speaks of the time that, you know, that he was waiting for a city whose builder and maker is God. Revelation chapter 21 describes such a city when it speaks of the new heaven and the new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Look, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, 
and God himself will be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither shall there be any more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And indeed, when we read what God writes uh, for us in the book of Hebrews, we see that Abraham looked for that city, for the new heavens, the new earth, a city in which true righteousness dwelt. As it says, he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In verse 11, it says, By faith, Sarah herself also received the ability to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. When we go back and read in Genesis chapter 18, we wonder about Sarah's faith because when she heard the word of the Lord to Abram, she laughed. Couldn't believe, how can this happen to me? Because, you know, Abraham is already 99 years old. She is about 90 years old and past the years of childbearing. So how can I have a child? And God said, you will. According to the time of life, I'll come back this time next year, you will have a child. And this child was named Isaac, Yitzhak in the Hebrew, meaning laughter, because she laughed. But yet, we read in the book of Hebrews that after the Lord rebuked her, she had faith that God would indeed keep his promise. And she conceived and bore this son of promise, Isaac, in order to fulfill the promises that God had made that through the seed, through the descendant, a descendant of Abram, God would bless all the nations of the earth. And so the line was carried on through Isaac and then on down through Jacob. Uh, we can look at, you know, God speaking to Jacob from above the ladder, you know, Jacob's ladder and the promises that God made to Jacob, that in his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And God promised to both Abraham, as well as to Isaac and Jacob, that their descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky and as many as the sand on the seashore. And God first made that promise to Abram when he had no child and for some 25 years he waited for this child to be born in order to carry on that name. And even at the time of Jacob, well, he had 12 sons. So, I mean, they're, they're growing in number. They're up to 70, but they're a long way from as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And yet they believed God's promises and they lived by their faith. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, from one man who was as good as dead sprang so many, a multitude as the stars of the sky and innumerable as the sand by the seashore. We've been studying in our Bible class in the book of Romans how God speaks of this same promise and points out that when we come to faith in Abraham, faith rather like Abraham, faith in Jesus Christ, as Abraham had faith in God's promise, we are a part, a part of this number so that all the believers in Christ are a part of this number which makes up as many as the stars in the sky 
and as a sand on the seashore because we are grafted in to the family of Abraham. In Galatians chapter 3, we are told, at beginning at verse 26, you are all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, and there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Verse 13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Those who say such things declare plainly that they are looking for a homeland. And certainly, if they had been thinking of the country out of which they came, they might have had the opportunity to return. But they desired a better, a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so here we see that, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they didn't see the fulfillment of all these promises, but they lived their lives in faith, believing that God would fulfill them in his time. And in fact, we can say of all the Old Testament saints, they lived in faith, looking forward to the time when God would fulfill his promise and send the Messiah and Savior. And again, looking in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 4, we read at verse 4, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born from a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And so in the fullness of time, God kept his promise and he sent his son. But God's promise includes even more because he promises us an eternal inheritance. We still wait for that day. Jesus, before his death on the cross on that same night when he was betrayed, reminded his disciples of this promise of this blessing that awaited them in the words of John 14, the first three verses. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so you and I, together with the believers of all time, have the promise that Jesus is preparing a dwelling place for us in his Father's house to be with him forever in glory. And of course, how do we go to this heavenly mansion that awaits us? You know, Jesus points out, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so it's through faith in Jesus, his death on the cross, 
that we go to our eternal, our everlasting home in heaven. At verse 17, we read, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of him God said, Through Isaac shall your seed be named. He reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he indeed received him in a figurative sense. And so here God, Abraham had waited 25 years or more for the son of promise. And finally, Isaac is born. And then when Isaac is a young man or a youth, God tells him, go take your son Isaac, the son you love, that son of promise. Take him to a certain mountain in the land of Moriah, and there you offer him to me as a burnt offering upon an altar. You think this wasn't a challenge to Abraham's faith? Abraham had waited for this child. It was through this child that God was going to fulfill all these things, and now God says, kill him and sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Abraham, in faith, obeys, takes Isaac, and he goes to this land of Moriah, to a certain mountain which God, where God directed him to go, which also so happens to be the place where the temple was later built and the place where our Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And there he takes the knife and is ready to kill his child and the angel of the Lord stops him. And Abraham sees, caught by its horns in the bushes, a ram and offers it up in the stead, in the place of his son. And there we have a figure which tells all of us that we deserve to be offered up as a burnt offering to pay the price for our sins. But in the mount of the Lord, God provides, and he provided his son to take our place, to fulfill all righteousness, then to bear our sins and to be offered up as a sacrifice on the tree of the cross in our stead that we might receive the blessing. And of course, Abraham and Isaac return, and they return again with the promise of God that he will bless him and that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so again, there's that promise pointing him ahead to Christ, who would die, who would be our substitute and die for the sins of the world. Abraham was ready to offer up Isaac, as we read in our text, believing that you know, God can even raise him from the dead and give him back to me in order to keep his promise. And in a certain way, God did that by providing a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. We read, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And that blessing of the Messiah went through 
Jacob. We read, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped while leaning on the top of a staff. If you have never read this blessing in Genesis 47, Isaac, or Jacob rather, is, a, is an old man and he had come to Egypt and now he sees Joseph's two sons which were born in Egypt and he wants to bless them. He wants to adopt these two sons as his own so they would inherit on an equal basis with all his other sons. And so in, in essence, he gives Joseph a double portion by blessing his two sons and taking them as his own. And Jacob is almost blind, he can't see. And so Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, to his father to bless, and Manasseh being the oldest, he places him so he would receive the right hand, a blessing, the greater blessing, and Ephraim, the younger, would receive the other, and he crosses his hands, giving the greater blessing to Ephraim. Again, all this is done in faith in God's promises. And then finally, we read today about Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, mentioned the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. When we read in Genesis 50, we see that Joseph told his brothers that God would deliver them and lead them out of Egypt and take them to the land of promise, but that when they went, they were to take his bones with them so that he would be buried in that land of promise. And it's something that they did. They took his bones and buried them in the land of promise. And so Joseph's faith directed him to look forward to the day when the resurrection occurs so he'd be raised up in the land of promise. Now we might ask, well, what do all these things mean for us? We have faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Son of Mary, Son of David, came into this world, that he has redeemed us by his innocent sufferings and death on the cross, that in him we have forgiveness. And we believe that through faith in Jesus, not only do we have forgiveness, but we have an eternal inheritance awaiting us in heaven. So how do we live our lives in this world? Do we love the world and become attached to the world? Or is our focus on what is to come? In many ways, we are like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the land of promise. We are just sojourners and strangers here in this world. And our focus is on not the here and now, but what's going to take place when our Lord Jesus comes back on the last day. And so we live our lives looking forward to that city which God is going to build. That city that I read to you about in Revelation 21, 
the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven in the new heavens, the new earth. And so our focus is not, you know, how much can we get here in this world? How much fun can we have during our short lives? But our focus is on, we are living our life here in this world, looking forward to the day when we have eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Which means that through faith in Christ, we shun the evil in this world and we use the goods that God gives us in this world in order to extend his kingdom because our focus is not here and now, it's there in heaven. I think of the hymn, the last hymn in our hymnal, which says, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. The hymn which we sang today brings out many of these same things. I won't read the entire hymn to you again, but it begins by saying, a pilgrim and a stranger, I journey here below. Far distant is my country, the home to which I go. Here I must toil and travail, oft weary and oppressed, but there my God shall lead me to everlasting rest. And then if you skip down to verse four, it says, who would share Abraham's blessing must Abraham's path pursue. A stranger and a pilgrim like him must journey through. The foes must be encountered, the dangers must be passed. A faithful soldier only receives the crown at last. Then it speaks of hastening forward so I must hasten forward, thank God the end will come. This land of passing shadows is not my destined home. The everlasting city, Jerusalem above, this evermore abideth, the home of light and love. There still my thoughts are dwelling, tis there I long to be. Come, Lord, and call thy servant to blessedness with thee. Come bid my toils be ended, let all my wanderings cease. Call from the wayside lodging to thy sweet home of peace. There I shall dwell forever, no more a parting guest, with all thy blood-bought children in everlasting rest. The pilgrim toils forgotten, the pilgrim conflicts o'er. All earthly griefs behind me, eternal joys before. God grant you faith like Abraham and the patriarchs. Faith which believes that Jesus, God's son, paid for your sins, that in him you have forgiveness. And faith which looks forward to the eternal joys of heaven. Amen. This time we will continue our worship by bringing forward our offerings.
I ask you to please stand and join the prayer to the church. Merciful Father, for the sake of the shed blood of your Son, Christ Jesus, forgive us for failing to walk by faith in the promises of your word. Move us to read and study our Bibles regularly and to come before you with our petitions and praises. Keep us from being overcome by our sinful inclinations and preserve us in the true and saving faith unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. O Christ Jesus, eternal Son of God and our Savior, you gave your life for ours when you died on the cross and made atonement for our sins. Bless the work of our pastors and the faithful pastors and missionaries everywhere so that your life-giving word might be proclaimed among us and among the nations and peoples of the world, and those who hear might repent of their sins and look to you and your cross for pardon and forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. O Holy Spirit, do not forsake us because of our weakness and disobedience to your word. Be patient with us and move us to continually repent of our sins and look in faith to our Savior for mercy. Teach us from your word, strengthen and keep us in the true and saving faith. Lord, in your mercy. O loving and merciful God, our nation and people are living in darkness and under your wrath and judgment. Open the eyes and ears of our people and rulers that they might see and hear the truth of your word, repent of their evil deeds, and fall down at the feet of Jesus, pleading for pardon and forgiveness, and then seek to walk in your ways, that your judgment may be turned away and your eternal wrath against us be averted. Lord, in your mercy. O healer and preserver of both our bodies and our souls, as you have promised, we ask you to provide for all our needs of body and soul and to preserve us from all harm and danger and all evil. We lift up to you those among us who are afflicted. We remember especially today Joyce, Matthew, and Carl, and all others we name in our hearts. Have mercy upon us, grant healing to the sick, comfort to those oppressed, and strength for all to endure the troubles and afflictions of this life in the hope of the everlasting glory for the sake of Christ Jesus, our Savior, Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 307. Draw nigh and take the body of the Lord.
I ask you to please stand. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup after he gave thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine, from now on until the day that I drink it, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. The Lord bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all your sins. Take and drink. 
This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all your sins. I ask you to please stand. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. ask you to please stand. We continue with the Nunc Dimittis. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, we thank you for fulfilling all righteousness in our stead, and then taking upon yourself the guilt and punishment for all our sins, and making full atonement for us by your perfect sacrifice on the cross. And we thank and praise you for giving us to partake of your one holy sacrifice, of your body and blood given and shed for us and so to partake of the blessings won for us by your death and assured to us by your glorious resurrection, forgiveness for all our sins, 
and the promise of eternal life. Strengthen and keep us in the true faith and move us to live our lives for you while we await your glorious return and the joys of your everlasting kingdom. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. You may be seated. We close by seeing him 47, Savior again to thy dear name.
Welcome to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As far as uh, announcements, I think I have all the announcements in the bulletin. Uh, our midweek Bible study is at 7 o'clock. Again, this Wednesday, it's online. And uh, we're in chapter 24 of Matthew, which is kind of an interesting chapter because it speaks of uh, things which were to come at the time Jesus spoke them, as well as of things yet to come. Uh, before the end uh, is here and our Lord Jesus returns in his glory. The ladies' uh, second Saturday Bible study and brunch is the third Saturday uh, this month. So that will be next Saturday, 11 o'clock. Uh, bring your Bibles, a sack lunch. And I was just going to say, if you have any thoughts or comments about the service we did today, let me know if it was too much of a change, let me know. If it wasn't enough, let me know, although I don't anticipate changing any more than that. It, it's kind of different when you're used to doing page 15 every Sunday. I don't think anyone could say it wasn't scriptural because I mean, it was all pretty much straight out of the Bible. Uh, but let me know your thoughts, and we can kind of adjust as we go. Any other comments or questions this morning? Yes. I will do that. And keep him in your prayers, too. He's kind of off and on had troubles with tonsillitis or something this year. And, of course, once you go to school, then you're, you're exposed to everything. So anything else this morning? If not, God's richest blessings to all of you and your Lord Jesus. Hold fast to him and walk in faith, looking forward to our eternal home, for Jesus' sake.